0: this morning in just a moment we're honestly going to spend most of our time in prayer and the reason for that is because I believe that is our hope and in all honesty I believe as a nation that is honestly our only hope because I tell you this all the time but God works through the prayers of his people that is how God has chosen to work on this earth through the prayers of his people And because I believe that, I believe what Oswald Chambers used to say. And he used to say that prayer is not part of the work, but prayer is the work. And so this morning, we are going to do the work of prayer. Because that is what God has not only called us to do, but prayer is so important to God. Revelation tells us that He keeps our prayers before Him day and night in bowls. And they rise to Him like incense. So God cares about our prayers. So, this morning we're going to pray. But before we pray, I just want to say two things, honestly, about all that's going on in the world around us. And I'm sure, like me, most of you have watched the news and you've just kind of stood back in amazement. And so, I just want to say two things about that. Number one, if you have been watching the news and you've kind of stood back in amazement, what you have realized is the way our country is responding to this crisis is a way like we have never responded before in our history and there's a reason for that for the first time not only in our lifetime but for the first time in the history of the United States of America now the vast majority of people who live here who are our citizens no longer hold to a biblical worldview And what that means is that means is they see the world. No longer do they see the world through the lens of this Bible. Now they see the world through the lens of the world. They have a secular worldview. So when they respond to tragedy, and there will always be tragedy, they don't respond in faith. Because they don't have the Bible on which to stand. So if you do not respond in faith, guess what? There is only one response left. And you know what that response is? Fear. Those are the only options. You can respond in faith or you can respond in fear. And how has our nation responded to the tragedy around us? They have responded in fear. And that is why people go to the grocery store and they buy out toilet paper rather than food. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, that is insane. But it's because they're afraid. And here's what fear does to you. Fear will make you say things you would never say if you were not afraid. It will make you do things you would never do if you were not afraid. It will make you irrational. But not only will fear do that, fear will put you in chains and it will bind you and it will weigh you down and it will consume you. That's what fear does. Have you ever been afraid? Of course we have. That's what fear does. It consumes us. But here's what's amazing. When someone who is afraid sees someone who has faith, And they are walking in that faith. And not only are they walking in that faith, they're resting in that faith. And they see that faith, and they see them in peace, and they see them with joy, and they don't understand. You know what they want? They want what that person has. And so that is our opportunity as the church to proclaim why we have faith, because we believe in a God who loves us and who saves us. But listen to me, and listen to me closely. We must proclaim that because it is not enough for a person to see your faith and to see that you live in peace and to see that you live without all the things that bind them down. It is not enough to see that it's not enough for them to wonder, well, why does that person live like this? And I'm living like this. It's not enough because the word of God says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, for people to hear the word of God, guess what does that means for you? It means you must speak the word of God into their life. It doesn't come any other way. It doesn't come from seeing your life, it doesn't come from watching your life, it comes from hearing your voice. And that's why it is imperative for the church to stand and proclaim from the rooftop that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And our hope and our faith is in Him and in Him alone. I have never claimed to be a prophet. But I will tell you, as a minister of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I do my very best to hear the voice of God. And one thing that really scares me is I believe with all my heart This is what God is saying to the church in America. He is saying, church. I'm giving you one last opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is desperate and hopeless and needs me. And listen to me. This world is desperate. And this world is hopeless. And we have the only hope there is, which is Jesus Christ. And if we don't stand and proclaim it, if we close our doors, they will never hear it. And so it is time for the church to do what the church is called to do. And it is not to act like the world. And it is not to shrink back in shame or fear. It is to stand in faith and boldness and to proclaim the word of God. That is what we are called to do. Amen? And guess what? You are the church. That's not for a preacher or a pastor. That is for you. Because you are called to minister with the Word of God to a people who need that Word and who need hope. And you must proclaim it. Because God is giving us an opportunity for a revival, for a great awakening. He's giving us that opportunity. Oh, and we must seize it. We must not fail. We must not fail. So that's number one. But number two is this. And I want you to understand this. And I want you to know this. In all this chaos. And in all this tragedy. And in words like pandemic or whatever we're using. I want you to know that God is at work. He is at work. He's not setting up in heaven, wringing his hands, being caught off guard. Oh, my Lord, I never thought about coronavirus. That's not what he's doing. He knew about coronavirus before the foundations of this earth. And guess what he was doing before the foundations of this earth? He was working for 2020 and this day. And he put you on this earth in 2020, in this day, for a purpose and a reason. And that is to be Christ to this world. God is at work. How do I know? Because His Word tells me. That's how I know. My favorite chapter in all the Bible is Romans 8. My favorite verse in Romans 8 is verse 28. And you know what Romans 8, 28 tells me? It tells me that God is at work. That's what it tells me. It tells me He is at work. This is what it says. It says in verse 28, Paul says, And we can know that God is causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is at work. Now that verse doesn't start off by saying we can feel that God causes all things to work together for the good does not say that why because rarely do we feel that god is working things together for good when something bad or tragic happens to us we don't feel god at all much less that he's working it together for good right we feel like well god's abandoned me why in the world did god let this happen why 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 we ask questions like that doesn't say that doesn't say we can feel it doesn't say we can believe actually some of us believe yeah i believe maybe god is working together things for good doesn't say that it says we can know This is a guarantee. This is a promise from the word of God that we can know that God is at work. So if God is at work, what is God doing? Well, the verse tells us he's causing all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, that verse does not say that all things that happen to you are good in and of themselves. It does not say that. A few weeks ago, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Listen to me. That is not good. I hate it. It is not good. Cancer is not good. Divorce is not good. If you get a divorce, you can't stand and say, Oh, God, may it's good that I got a divorce. No, it's horrible. But what the verse says is God works all things together for good. Not that everything that happens to you is good, but God is always working. Now, how does that work? How does God do that? I have no idea. I do not understand it. I cannot comprehend it. But I've told you this before, but for me, this is how I visualize it. My favorite thing to eat in this world is pound cake. I love pound cake. And so when I was young, my mom taught me how to make a pound cake. She was a home ec teacher, so she taught me how to make a pound cake. And I'll remember it like it was yesterday. We went into the kitchen, and we made the old-school, old-fashioned pound cake. So we had a pound of butter, a pound of flour, a pound of sugar. We had some vanilla extracts, some baking soda, baking powder, and we made a cake. Now, here's the question. Has anyone in this room ever tried to eat a pound of flour? Go home this afternoon and try it, and you tell me if it is good. Tell me if a pound of flour, just eating that right out of the bag, is good. It's not good. A pound of butter, guess what? It is not good. Some of you may think this is good, but I'm telling you, a pound of sugar is not good. Try that one. That might take you to the hospital quicker than the coronavirus, but it is not good. But here's something amazing. You take all those ingredients and you put them in a pot and you mix them up and then you put them in an oven where heat and fire does its work. And what comes out on the other side is the most glorious thing on this earth. You put a pat of butter on that and a glass of milk. There is nothing better, I'm telling you. And that's how God works in your life He takes the good things, He takes the bad things, He takes the things that bring joy and the things that bring sorrow. He takes the abundance and the lacking. He takes it all and he mixes it together in a pot. And he stirs it together. And then guess what he does? You're not going to like this, but this is what he does. He puts it in the fire, he puts it in the oven, he heats you up. And what comes out on the other side is glorious. And it is good. But you got to understand what is good in God's eye. And to understand what's good in God's eye, you got to read verse 29. Because Romans 8:29 says that God chose you to become like his son. So anything that makes you like Jesus in God's eye is good. Anything. Whether it be horrible, whether it be tragic, whether it be happy, whether it be sorrowful, no matter what it is, God works it together for the good of his people. But here's what you got to know about this verse. And this is why it's so important in our day. This may be the most evangelistic verse in all the Bible, and you don't see it as evangelistic. But here's why this verse is evangelistic. It's because this verse, the promise of it anyway, is limited. And who's it limited to? For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You see, not everybody can claim this verse this morning. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't say that everything that's happening to you in this life is good and God's working it together for good. You cannot say that because it is not good. In fact, it is the opposite of good. It is bad. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ, everything that's happening to you in your life right now is leading you away from God and it is leading you to destruction. That's where it's leading and that's why the church should stand and rise and say that Jesus Christ is our only hope. And you should love God and be called according to his purpose so God can take your life and everything that happens in your life and work it together, like the coronavirus or whatever else. Because that's what he does. Because God is at work and he's called his church to be at work. And here's for us where that work starts it starts on our knees. Before we do anything else, what God has called us to do as a church is to pray. He's called us to pray. So this morning as a church, that's why we're here. To corporately pray together. And I understand that a lot of churches will say, well, we can pray in our house. We can pray wherever we want to. And that's why we're not meeting. We're still praying. Well, I understand you can pray wherever you want to. But I'm telling you, there is something special when the church comes to brother and prays corporately. If you don't believe me, go read Acts 1. Go read Acts 1 and go read what happened to the 120 who were left after Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven. What did they do for 10 days? Together they prayed corporately. And then what happened? The church is what happened. Acts chapter 2. God sent His Holy Spirit and the church was born. And we're here today 2,000 years later because of that. Because they prayed. That's why we're here. And So that's why we come together corporately to pray Because God not only hears our prayers, He answers our prayers, and He works through our prayers. Amen? So this morning, we're going to pray. If you've been watching the news, you probably saw that on Friday, President Trump called this day, March the 15th, to be a national day of prayer for all that is going on in our society. For all that's happening with COVID-19, and for our response to it as a nation. So this morning, we're going to heed his call and we're going to pray. But I want you to understand that a National Day of Prayer, what we're doing today on March 15th, is not new for our nation. In fact, it even started before we became a nation. In 1775, the Continental Congress called the colonies to pray for wisdom as we formed a nation. But then, our nation didn't do that again until 1863. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln called our nation together together For a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I want to read you what he said as he called our nation to pray. Because it's more true in 2020 than it was in 1863. This is what Abraham Lincoln wrote to a nation. He said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace and too proud to pray to the God that made us. And is that not true in our nation in 2020? Well, of course it is. Of course it is. So this morning as a church... What we are going to do is we're going to come together and we're going to pray. And this is how it's going to work. It's not going to be complicated or hard. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to give us something every minute or so, something very specific to pray for. And then as a church, we're just going to pray together. Now, if you want to stay right where you are and pray, that is perfectly fine. If you want to come to this altar and pray, that is perfectly fine. But we are just going to pray together as a church. Amen all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just so that we'll remove some distractions before us. And if you want to come to the altar, that's fine. You can come now. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But this morning, I'm just going to ask you to pray. And so as we begin our prayer, I believe the best way to begin our prayer is exactly what President Lincoln asked for in 1863. That we should come humbly before our God in repentance, asking for forgiveness. Not only for a nation, but for ourselves. Would you ask that God would forgive you of your sins so that you can come into His presence in the presence of a holy God and pray to Him and seek His face. So this morning as we begin, pray for forgiveness. we continue to pray, this morning I'm just going to ask you to pray for the sick. Those who have been infected with the coronavirus, those who may have contracted it and not even know it, would you pray for them and pray for their families and pray for God's healing and God's blessing on their life. Pray that God would sustain their life. Pray for those who are sick. for our leaders specifically President Trump would you pray for our Vice President Mike Pence who is leading the response effort to COVID-19 would you pray for Congress and our state and local officials would you just pray for our leaders and pray for wisdom would you pray for unity and pray for a calming voice for our leaders. Did you pray for all those in the medical community? I understand that's a long list but pray for our first responders and pray for our doctors and pray for our nurses and those who are ministering with medicine in this time of need but just don't pray for them pray for all those in research who are studying and trying to find medicine and vaccines pray for them that they would find that that god would bless them with wisdom Pray for manufacturers who will manufacture medicine and vaccines so that we can quickly get this distributed to people in need. Just pray for all those medical fields. businesses, both large and small, all those businesses that provide jobs to our people so that our people can have homes and eat and be just sustained in this life. Would you pray for all those who are losing jobs literally right now? or Maybe they might not lose a job, but they're losing income. Just pray for God to be the sustainer and the provider. Pray that He would just bless our businesses and those who own them. This morning, would you pray for our churches, specifically the church here in America? you pray that the church in America that they would speak the truth of God without compromise pray that we could provide hope in the midst of fear and that we could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and only the gospel of Jesus Christ and that God would send a great awakening to our land that he would draw us back to himself pray for the church to be the church pray that after God answers these prayers, which He will, would you pray that we would not forget Him? That we would not forget His answers. That we would not forget His love, His mercy, His grace, His salvation. pray that we would be a thankful people who remember Him. Lord, we love You. And we are in this place because we need You. Lord, we need You and only You. Lord, I speak to this virus that has gripped the world. Lord, I speak to that virus in the name of Christ Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal the virus. And Lord, I pray that you would not do it through medicine or research. I pray that you would miraculously heal it so that only people could point to you and point to the goodness and the greatness of God. And Lord, I pray that we would see a miracle in our day like we read about in the book of Acts. Lord, please send a miracle. Lord, I pray that our people that our nation through a time of tragedy would see the greatness of God the goodness of God the faithfulness of God and Lord I pray that they would turn to you Lord help us as a church lift you on high because you say in your word when you are lifted up you will draw all people unto yourself so Lord this morning we lift you on high and we proclaim the name of Jesus So, Lord, draw people to yourself. Answer that prayer as we pray the word of God. So, Lord, thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers. Just answer them. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, this morning, in just a second. We're going to go out in song. We're going to go out in worship. But before we do, I just want to give you one last prayer to pray as you are going through your week, as you're going through your day, as you come in contact with people. I want you to pray one more prayer. And I want you to pray a prayer directly from the Word of God. And I know you can remember it because it's the shortest prayer in the Bible. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I like short things. Don't even have to laugh at that. Not that I mean I'm short, but I like short things. Okay, whatever. But it's in Matthew 14. And in Matthew 14, that is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And right after he feeds the 5,000, the Bible says, Jesus tells the disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake, and he'll join them later, but he goes up into the mountains to pray. So as he's praying, the disciples get in the boat and they try to make their way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But the Bible says about 9 o'clock at night, a storm comes upon them. And until about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, they are fighting this storm. With everything that's in them, they're in a little boat on a sea, the Sea of Galilee, and they're rowing and they're fighting, they're trying anything in their power to save their might just to get to land so that they can be saved, but they never get to land. But out of nowhere comes something walking towards them, and one of the disciples looks out and he says, It's a ghost. It wasn't a ghost, it was Jesus. And Jesus walks towards the boat and he says, Take courage, don't be afraid. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come to you. And so Jesus says, all right, come on. So in Matthew 14, the Bible says that Peter stands up and he gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. And he's literally walking on water. But the Bible then says this, it says he takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to look at the strong wind and the waves and he's terrified guess what happens to Peter? He begins to sink just like a rock. And so he prays a prayer. The shortest prayer in the Bible. God save me. And guess what Jesus does? The Bible says that Jesus grabbed him. Grabbed him. And saved him. And then ask him one simple question. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What if as a church we would corporately come together praying a prayer that could save a nation? Only three words. God save us. Listen, I'm not talking about God saving us from a coronavirus. Because that virus is temporal. One day that virus won't be on this earth anymore because this earth will be a new heaven and it'll be a new earth. It'll be gone. I'm not talking about temporal things. I'm talking that God will save us for eternal things. He will save us from our sin and He would save us from ourself. Pray that prayer for our nation. God, save us. Because guess what God does? When his people pray that prayer. He reaches down and grabs us. It's what he does. Because that's what his word says. God save us. So this morning as we close. We're going to do it a little bit different. Our offering today, we're just going to do at the door. That way you don't have to pass a plate full of germs. So if you came prepared to give, just give as you leave this morning. But as we leave this morning, I do want to leave singing. I want to leave praising a living God, thanking Him for our living hope. And guess what? That's what we're going to sing. We're going to sing living hope. So this morning, all I'm going to do is ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask you to praise Him because He's worthy of our praise. Amen?